verse 1. Lots of names today. Beginning with verse 1. These are the generations of Esau, that is Edom. So remember, Esau, Esau builds the land of Edom. It's a whole different nation than Israel. Esau took wives from the Canaanites. Now notice, remember, this displeased his parents. Talked about this the other day. Young people, don't marry someone who displeases mom and dad. Yes, it's your wife. Yes, it's your husband. But you know what? <laughs> You're also part of a big family. Esau took his wives from the Canaanites. Ada, the daughter of Alan the Hittite. Aholabama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite. And Basmath, Ishmael's daughter. Now there's Ishmael again. We see Ishmael mentioned again. The sister of Nabioth. And Ada bore to Esau, Eliphaz, Bashmath bore Raul. And Aholabama bore Josh, Jalam, and Korah. These are the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the members of his household, his livestock, and all his beasts, and all his property he had acquired in the land of Canaan. So all the blessing came in the promised land. All this blessing. His wives, his sons, his daughters, the members of his household, his livestock, his beasts, and all his property. And he went away, and he went into a land away from his brother Jacob. So this is when he received Edom. Now, you'll notice I keep talking about Edom because later when the people of Israel leave the land of Egypt and they come to Edom, God said, no, you can't enter into this. This doesn't belong to you. I gave this to Esau and his descendants. So just like God gave Israel to the descendants of Abraham, he gave Edom to the descendants of Esau. For their possessions were too great for them to dwell together. All right, now here's a business principle. And this business principle is very simple. <laughs> Environment must sustain. Now, Basically, when you're dealing with flocks and herds and you're dealing with a dry climate, there's only so much grass in the fields. There's almost only so much shrubbery that the, the lambs and the goats can eat. And so when they have these possessions that require a certain environmental condition, you know, at some point you can't overtax the land or you destroy the land. So one of them chose to leave. And Esau recognized that God had given this property to his, his brother Jacob. So he leaves and starts the land of Edom. But again, a business principle. Sometimes, you know, there's just not enough business to sustain. So Esau settled in the hill country of Seir. Esau is Edom. These are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites. Now notice he is the father of the Edomites, just like Abraham is the father of Israel. Esau is the father of the Edomites. He's the origin of this nation. These are the names of Esau's sons. Eliphaz, the son of Ada, the wife of Esau. Raul, the son of Basmath, the wife of Esau. The sons of Eliphaz were Timon, Omar, Zeho, and Gatam, and Kenaz. Temnah was a concubine of Eliphaz. Esau's son. She bore Amalek to Eliphaz. These are the sons of Ada, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Raul. Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. These are the sons of Basmath, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Aholabama, 
the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion, Esau's wife, which she bore to Esau, Jaush, Jalam, and Korah. These are the chiefs of the sons of Esau. And notice the chiefs of the sons. The sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, the chiefs, Temnon, Omar, Zeho, and Kenaz, Korah, Gotham, and Amalek. These are the chiefs of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Ada. These are the sons of Raul, Esau's sons, the chiefs, Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. These are the chiefs of Raul in the land of Eden. These are the sons of Basmoth, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Aholabama, Esau's wife. The chiefs, Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These are the chiefs born of Aholabama, the daughter of Anna, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Esau, that is Edom, and these are their chiefs. These are the sons of Seir, the Horite, and the inhabitants of the land, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, and Anna, Dishan, Ezer, and Dishan. These are the chiefs of the Horites, the sons of Seir, in the land of Edom. So, all right. So Esau had others there also. The sons of Lotan are Hori and Hemnan, and Lotan's sister was Temna. These are the sons of Shobal, Alvan, Manahath, Ebal, Shepho, and Onan. These are the sons of Zibion, Aya, and Anna. He is the Anna who found the hot springs in the wilderness. Now, this was an important thing. This was a big deal. This had great healing properties for people. As he pastured the donkeys of Zibion, his father. These are the children of Anna, Dishan, and Holobama, the daughter of Anna. These are the sons of Dishan, Hebdan, Eshban, Ithran, and Sharan. These are the sons of Ezer, Bilhan, Zaavan, and Akan. These are the sons of Dishan, Uz, and Aran. These are the chiefs of the Horites. Now notice chiefs again. Now we have the, the Edomites, which descend from Esau, and now we have the Horites. These are the chiefs of the Horites. The chiefs Lotam, Shobal, Zibion, and Anna, Dishan, Ezer, and Dishan. These are the chiefs of the Horites, chief by chief in the land of Seir. These are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the Israelites. Now, here's an important truth. So, Edom developed politically before Israel. And let me say that again. The, the land of Edom developed politically. They got kings and they got governmental structure long before Israel. Bela, the son of Beor, reigned in Edom, and his name, the name of his city is Denhaba. Bela died, and Jobab, the son of Zerah of Boza, reigned in his place. Jobab died, and Husham of the land of the Tenmanites reigned in his place. Husham died, and Hadad, the son of Bedad, who defeated Midian in the country of Moab, reigned in his place, the name of his city being Avith. Hadad died, and Shamla of Mashrika reigned in his place. Shamla died, and Shaul of Rehoboth of, on the Euphrates reigned in his place. Shaul died, and Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, reigned in his place. Baal Hanan, the son of Akor, died, and Hadar reigned in his place. The name of his city being Pau, and his wife's name was Mahatabel, the daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mahazad. 
These are the names of the chiefs of Esau, the chiefs of Esau, according to their clans and dwelling places by their names. The chiefs Timna, Alva, Zjereth, Aholabama, Allah, Pinon, Kanaz, Timon, Mebzer, Magdil, and Iram. These are the chiefs of Edom, that is, Esau, the father of Edom, according to their dwelling places in the land of their possession. And notice, in the land of their possession, God gave to them. Chapter 37, verse 1. Joab lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Egypt. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brother. He was a boy. He's the bunso. He's the youngest. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zehoth, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to their father. Now, so little brother Tattletale. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Okay, now here is a source of family conflict. Joseph loved Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph. Remember, that is Jacob. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. So a special gift because of his special love. Now, look at the next verse first. But when his brothers saw that the father loved him more than all his other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now, this is the father's fault. Now, brothers and sisters, please understand, Jacob knows what this is like. Remember, his father Isaac loved Esau more than he loved him. Okay, remember this. Jacob knew what this felt like. This is what you call family generational <laughs> what do we call it? Family generational messes mistakes, whatever you want to call it. This is family culture that has been passed down that you could love one son more than another. Now, the brothers can see that. All right, Notice, the brothers saw. that It was obvious to them with the gifts and how he treated him. And because of that, they hated their brother and they couldn't speak peacefully to him. So all of this family conflict is caused by a father who would not love all of his sons equally. Now, brothers and sisters, I know that in your heart there's going to be one child that looks more like you, that acts more like you, that reminds you of your mom, that reminds you of your dad, whatever. You know, it, it's going to be there, okay? It's, it's going to be there. But at some point, you, you have to understand, you have to love your children all the same. Now, with Sister Bev and I, it's easy. We just had one, so we could put all of our love into one. But, you know, some of you, you have you have many. Some of you have two. Some of you have five. We have some people that have 11 and 12. You have to love all of your children the same and treat them all the same. 
Otherwise, you have family strife. And one day you're not going to be here and the kids won't relate to each other at all. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. All right. So you have to understand God's plan brings hatred. Okay, sorry, it does. This is why you don't necessarily want to tell everybody what God is speaking to you about your life. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf rose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheep. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us, or indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more. Now notice, the hatred grows. One, two, three. So learn a principle. Hatred grows. Okay? When people have made up their mind to hate you, hatred doesn't die away. Hatred grows. They may submerge it, but hatred grows. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I... And your mother and your brothers bow ourselves to you on the ground? And the answer is yes. And it would happen when Joseph became the leader over Egypt under Pharaoh. I mean, he became number two in the greatest empire of the world. So yes, it was going to happen. But now notice the response. The brothers were jealous, but the father kept the saying in mind. Now, what's the difference here? The father knows who he is. The brothers, they're still discovering. Now, here's a principle I want you to see. People are not going to be jealous of you who are comfortable in who they are. This is why you have to learn to be around people who are comfortable being who they are. When you get around people that haven't figured out who they are or who are not comfortable or do not like being who they are, you're going to find a lot of jealousy coming your direction when God begins to raise you up. So you have to learn to hang out with people that are comfortable with who they are and that know who they are. Less jealousy come in your direction. Now his brothers went to pasture their flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to them, Here I am. So he said to them, Go now and see if it is well with your brothers with the flock and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields, and he asked him, What are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? And the man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. And they saw him from afar. How? And before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. All right, now how did they see him from afar? He made him a coat of many colors, Diba. And now they can see him from afar. He's not just some kid walking through the fields. They can see him wearing that coat. Now notice. Hot to the eyes. Hot to the eyes allows time to conspire. 
you often hear me say, there's things you shouldn't do because you don't want people to notice things. Because when people notice things, they have an opportunity to conspire to take them. All right. They saw him with his coat of many colors. They had plenty of time to let their hatred grow again. They had plenty of time to come up with their plan to kill him. I mean, they had plenty of time. If he'd just been some kid like everybody else, wearing the same clothes everybody else wore, they would not have had time to attack him. So sometimes notice, you don't want to be too hot on the eyes. You, you don't want to be noticed from too far of a distance. They said to one another, here comes the dreamer. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of it, he rescued them out of their hands saying, let's not take his life. All right, so you have one brother to the rescue. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness and do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand to, dis to restore him to his father. So, all right, so Reuben wanted to do right. And you'll see later on in his relationship with Joseph, he still wants to do right. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors he wore. All right, learn a lesson. People take away first your blessing. When you have something they don't have, the first thing people want to do is strip you of your blessing. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites. All right. These are the descendants of Ishmael, Abraham's other son, coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And the brothers listened to him. Now notice, we have a second brother. But now, in just a second, I want you to notice, Reuben returns. Now, you know what? These two brothers need to get together. They both wanted to rescue him. But because they weren't talking, they couldn't implement their plan. Now, here's a truth that you got to get a hold of. When you see somebody else among a group that's wanting to do wrong, and you see somebody else like you who wants to do right, the two of you need to talk, okay? The two of you need to talk. Then the Midianite traders passed by. They drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, the boy is gone and I, where, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, this we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. Now notice, this is deception without a lie. Let me say that again. This is deception without a lie. Now, th this is a powerful deception that you have to learn to recognize in life. Because there are people that will present you with things 
for you to draw the conclusion that they want you to draw. This is why you have to learn to ask questions in life. Now notice, the father didn't ask questions. The father simply identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without a doubt torn to pieces. So conclusion. With no questions. Never, never just look at something and draw a conclusion with no questions. This is how you get deceived. And then if you challenge people about it later, to say, well, we didn't lie to you. Do you know how many times I've been tricked by this in my life? Okay. <laughs> it would be embarrassing for you to know. Well, we didn't lie to you, Pastor. We, we You know, this was your decision. You know, we just presented you with, with things, and you made the decision. And You know what I've learned? Ask questions. What he should have son, said was, did you find any of his body parts? Did you find his skull? Did you find his hands, his feet? Did you find any other parts of his clothing? Did you look? Now, you see, when you start asking questions, then you force people to lie. And then you can sense when they're lying and you can ask more questions. But never, never fall for this deception without a lie where they just present something and you draw conclusions based on what they presented. Because then they say, we never lied to you. We never said a word. Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. And thus begins the destiny, one of the great stories of destiny in the scripture, where God makes a way where there is no way. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Can you give somebody a high five and say, I know who I am. I know who I am. Turn to your right and say, I know who I am. I know who I am. Turn to your left and say, I know who I am. I know who I am. Turn around and say to that person that I know who I am. I know who I am. And I'm walking in
Our New Testament passage today picks up in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, begin with verse 1. The Pharisees and the scribes. Now remember the Pharisees. These are these are like the fundamentalists. These are the conservative theologians. The Sadducees are the liberals. The Sadducees don't believe in angels. They don't believe necessarily in miracles. They don't believe in life after death. But the Pharisees, they're very conservative theologians. Now, the scribes, these are the guys that used to um, make the Torah scrolls. They are the ones that copied the words one word by word. Scribes and Pharisees came to Jesus from Jerusalem. So they had traveled to see Jesus and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. All right, so here is the tradition. Now, it's not that Jesus' disciples were unsanitary. You know, it's not like washing like when we wash our hands, all right? Uh, there's literally a, a cup with two handles. And you take the cup with one hand and you pour it over this hand. And you keep the cup with this hand and then you pour it over this hand. So that's why it has two handles, okay? Now, this was a ceremonial washing of the hands. And they were upset. And they traveled a long way to tell Jesus they were upset. Now, I mean, please forgive me, folks, but it is amazing how people will travel a long way to tell you when they're upset. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat? He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? So Jesus answered a question with a question. Now, sometimes this is a very clever thing to do. When people are attacking you over silliness, sometimes rather than debate the silliness, answer the question with a question. Get them to talk more. In other words, they've, they've had lots of time to present their, their well-rehearsed question. Well, now let's throw things off a little bit and let's ask a question to make them open up and talk a little bit more. For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles his father and mother must surely die. But you say, all right, now notice, God commanded, whoops, God commanded, but you say, you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. Now the translation says it's Corbin. Okay, it's, it's been dedicated to God. So I don't have to do anything to help my mom and dad because I've given it to God instead. He said, he need not honor his father. For the sake of your tradition, you have made void, made void the word of God. He said, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, this is how to recognize hypocrisy. You recognize hypocrisy because there's a difference between the words and the hearts. Now, there are many people that are good with their words, all right? Their, their, words, their words are fine. You listen to their words, and okay, they, they, they say all the right words. But when you watch them and watch for their hearts, you see, it's not only out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. There's other ways to see people's hearts. If you want to see people have a heart for God, you watch them in worship. You know, if, if you see someone who stands with their hands in their pockets, bored, or playing video games, or looking at Facebook during praise and worship, 
you're you're dealing with, but then later on they say all the right words. You're, you're dealing with hypocrisy. You're dealing with someone who honors with lips, but their hearts are far from him. In vain do they worship me. He said, this is it's useless. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, you, you can never replace what God says with what you say. We have to allow the scriptures to speak for themselves. A young preacher was trying to teach some of the young people here at COP one time and said, listen, you, you have a conclusion and then you find the verses to match your conclusion. And when the young people asked me about that, I said, now that's the best way I know to get into false doctrine. I said, that is what theologians call proof texting. You have a conclusion and then you try to find verses to validate what you're saying. He said, you have to let the scripture speak for itself. He said, you know, listen, you don't, don't teach the doctrines of man as the commandments of God. Those things are not the same. And he called the people to him and said, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles, goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Now, here's, here's a principle that you just need to get a hold of, okay? There are people who do not belong. Some of you have companies, and you have a person, they're there, everything seems fine, but God didn't plant them there. And one day God will root them out. Okay, you just have to, these are things you just have to learn in life and trust God. He said, let them alone. Let who alone? These people that are going to be rooted out. Okay, these people who are teaching, you know, false doctrines. These people who are, you know, their hearts are far from God. He said, leave these, leave these people alone. Okay, leave these people whose hearts are far from me, who teach as doctrines the commandments of man, who the Father is going to ruin. He said, leave them alone. Don't, don't, don't fight with these people. He said, they are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both fall into the pit. So in other words, Jesus said, don't go to war with these people. Just leave them alone. He said, they're all going to fall into the pit. They're going to gather a few people around them, and I try to teach young pastors this. They, they, they're going to gather a few people around them, and then they're going to go and create a disaster. And you don't need to fight with these people. So Jesus said, let them alone. Now, when Jesus says, don't go to war, when Jesus says, leave people alone, learn to trust Jesus. Leave them alone. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and expelled? Now, putting it delicately, it goes out as the poop. He says, so, you know, if you've got something on your hands and you eat it and it wasn't rinsed off by the ceremonial washing, he said, it's not a problem. It's going to go in. Your stomach acids are going to consume it. It's going to come out your poop. He said, don't worry about it. He said, well, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Ah, he said, listen to people talk. When they're full of condemnation and bitterness and anger and wrath, and you know, you hear green jokes coming out of them, when you, you start to hear stuff like this, he said, This is coming out of their heart. This is what's in their heart. He said, This, what's in a person's heart, that defiles them. 
For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witnesses, and slander. He said, okay, this is what comes out of people's hearts. You know, first it fills their hearts and then it comes out of their mouth. You know, you, you can listen to a person and if you listen carefully and get past the prepared speech, you'll learn a lot about a person's future because whatever has filled their heart and is coming out of their mouth beyond the prepared speech, okay, beyond the press release, as the young people like to say, once you get past the press release and the prepared speech and you really listen to people's hearts, you, you can tell them their future. I mean, and it's not a seance necessary. It's no palm reading necessary. It's just listening to their mouth. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, Jesus said, that does not defile anybody. If you don't pour the water over both hands, he said, that doesn't defile anybody. All right, now, one more passage today. A little bit of wisdom as we close out. Now, listen to King Solomon here. He said, hear my son, a father's instruction. He's speaking, this is a father-son talk. Father-son talk. And be attentive that you may gain insight. For I will give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. He said, when I was a son with my father. So this is now Solomon and KD. That's King David. Tender. This is when he was young very young, the only one in the sight of my mother. So Bathsheba raised Solomon alone. He wasn't raised with all the other king's sons. He was raised by Bathsheba, the only one in the sight of my mother. Now, if you want to wonder why Solomon turned out better than the other sons of David, I'll teach you later on when we get into the king's but David had a man who was in charge of raising his sons. When it came to Solomon, Bathsheba and King David raised their son together. So Solomon says, let, let me tell you what my father taught me. He said, let me pass on to you the wisdom. And a lot of the Proverbs are the wisdom of King David that was passed on to Solomon. He taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. He said, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her wisdom. She will keep you. Love her. She will guard you. Now, several things I want you to notice there. Never forsake the wisdom that your father taught you. Don't turn away from the wisdom of the words of your father. You know, I, you'll often hear me quote my father and quote my grandfather because for many years of my life, I never had a dad in my life. And when I was 14 and I was sent to live with my dad, you know, I, I thought about it. And, you know, I went through 10th, 11th and 12th grade with my dad. And then I skipped my first year of college. I started as a sophomore. So I had one year of college and three years of high school. So four years with my dad. But my dad really took time with me. I mean, we, we built a relationship working on motorcycle engines, uh, restoring old British sports cars, Austin Healey 3000s, Bug Eye Sprites and things. But we spent a lot of time together. And my dad always had time for me. 
we'd go out in the backyard and throw a football around, though he, my dad wasn't much on sports. But dad always had time. And one of the things he always did every morning at breakfast. Now, we rarely ever ate dinner together as a family because I was working. And, you know, dinner wasn't a big deal in our family. But breakfast, now, breakfast was a big deal. At 5.30, you were expected at the breakfast table. It didn't matter what time you got in from work the night before. And mama served the same thing. You had one boiled egg, you had two strips of bacon, you had a, a piece of toast that she cooked in a very special way, and you had a cup of coffee. That was breakfast every morning. And then dad would sit there and begin to what we used to call philosophize. And dad would talk for an hour. But you know what? I've never forgot his lessons. When you hear me talk about don't have a nightlife, learn that from my dad. And brothers and sisters, you're going to have to learn that God gave you parents, not just to feed you, not just to put a roof over your head. God gave you parents to teach you. Parents, it's not the job of the church to train your children. No, yes, we do a part. It's your job. It's not the job of the school to train your kids. It's your job. So make sure that you take time. And young people, listen to mom and dad. Most of the smart things that you see coming out in the book of Proverbs that Solomon wrote at the beginning of his, of his kingship. Ecclesiastes, he wrote at the end. But most of the stuff that you see here written out in Proverbs, these are things he learned from his father. And, you know, when you study it deeply, you begin to see a lot of King David coming out of here. If Jesus tarries in the future, may people see a lot of your mom and dad coming out of you too. All right, we'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock, Book of Romans.